I mean, I mean, he's he's larger than life, you know. And I always head trip about, you know, you'll appreciate this, you know. It's like the role of guitarist, banjoist in the city, and just the fact that Danny Barker's <laughs> the one behind the Dirty Dozen brass band. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's just yeah. like boggles the mind, you know. Yeah, like, the whole brass band revolution was uh, put on the table by a guy who plays banjo. Yeah, you know, who was old. You know, by the time that came about, you know, it's like, yeah. what a cool guy. Yeah, exactly. They weren't boring people, you know. Right, but, right. And plus the idea was to do something interesting back then. I mean, all the old jazz guys, I knew back then, all the old guys that were jazz. I don't say jazz. I don't, I just, let's put quotes around that. But, you know, it, it, they were looking for something new to happen all the time. It was really sure. not, you know, right, really right. not sitting there trying to be like, you know, you need to do blah, blah, blah. You know, this was not the, the voice of the, of that, of that of that thing, you know. Um, well, and, and maybe that segues into something else that, that, that I find that's a, a, degrada a degradation of sorts across uh, musicianship, you know, which is the, what I like to think of as the codification of licks, mm -hmm. you know, so that, uh, you know, look, people from the, <laughs> from descendants of the European continent, you know, man, look, not to say that other people don't want to do this, gosh, you gotta, always got to tread lightly around this, I'll just say it, look, they like to deconstruct shit, mm -hmm. and, and deconstruction is great, but it, it's, carries a warning label with it, too, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and, and the warning label is that, you know, we, we, what you wind up doing is creating lists out of things that were they they were attempts not just attempts i mean they were they were successes by people mm -hmm. to create individualism mm -hmm. out of the totality of everything that they played of their personality the kind of instrument they played the kind of amplifier they used whatever it may be the kind of trumpet that they use the mouthpiece, the armature, you know, the expressiveness, the style of notes, everything that goes into music. And then there's a copycat phenomenon that has become a huge part of music mm -hmm. now. Yeah. That, re I really never hear people talking about that mm -hmm. a lot, you know, and, and, and my bag is like more rock and roll and rhythm and blues. But I will put this down against any musical skill, and and it may be the greatest one, <laughs> frankly, mm -hmm. you know, is the ability to sound off on one note and be recognized. Mm -hmm. Now, if you can do that, you've got something. Yeah. And I don't care what brand of music you're playing, yeah. you know, that's how you know from one to two notes that that's B.B. King. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but it's it's the totality of everything that that person is. Yeah. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. And that's why you know what those two notes are, mm -hmm. right? Now, copying that and learning that to a certain degree is possible. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> it doesn't make you, you. Yeah. You know? And... Uh, and striving to be individualistic, you know, because in my, you know, I mean, you know me as somebody who wears 
a few different hats. Yeah. And in my in my television past, I had the good fortune of sitting down and, and either interviewing myself or being behind the camera with a lot of old cats, man. Mm -hmm. Old cats from around here, old cats from other places too. Yeah. Right? And I can tell you with with all certainty that an absolute consistent thread that runs amongst them mm -hmm. is competition at the highest level to achieve individuality as the pen ultimate accomplishment. Good. Did you hear that, recorder? Good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, I am serious when I yeah. say that, man. I mean, those guys are deadly serious about that, man. And they don't want to hear anything about other dudes yes. and what other dudes did and whether or not they were even fucking influenced yeah. for a second by another guy yeah. who existed, you know, in the sphere. And I know that there's a lot of, like, warm cuddly feelings on stage and people hug each other and yeah. shit, you know. But let's face it, John. Dudes were out to cut each other. But but now you have years and years of guitar player magazine and mm -hmm. learn how to play it like this, you know, and 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 unfortunately I, I think that that runs the spectrum, you know. I I would love to meet somebody who's just before any motive that they had that they had a singular objective to, to simply do that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't want to sound like anybody but me. Yeah, well, it'd I be want nice. to have a sing signature sound. Yeah. And that's it. Well, we live, we're living in an era now where everyone wants to be a kind of thing. They, they categorize themselves beforehand. There's everyone's a, everyone's in the marketing and brand, they're so into branding themselves. Of course, right. this, is, this means that everybody has an NBA personality starting when they're six years old because they get on the internet. They're already branding themselves and they hate to be off topic and they don't want to blow their brand. And, and so, actually, it's a very weak position. In other words, like it would, it's not something that would have survived in the, kind of, in the kind of milieu where you're trying to do something original. No. You can see that they have to have a copy because they're into mass production. The whole language comes from mass production. Sure, sure. <laughs> that's the that's yeah. the language. That's the lingo, you know. So you know, and, <laughs> and I suppose people, detractors of that kind of thing, would say, you know, hey, look, you know, when Guitar Slim was uh, double booked, you know, they dressed Daryl King up like Guitar Slim and they made him go out there. And I said, yeah, but you know what? He got outed. Yeah. You know why? Because he just wasn't him, he man. Like a... Well, not only did he not sound like him, he didn't act like him. Yeah. And enough people had been to the shows before to say, it's not you, man. Yeah. You know? And it's like, hey, man, I appreciate the fact that you tried that. That's some sleazebag record industry yeah. shit from back in the day, man. You know? Yeah. I'm like, you know, we're in a sleazebag business, man. You know? Yeah. And the business guys are, like, trying to make money any kind of way that they can and stuff their pockets, you know? But it's like... Uh, it didn't work, you know. Whereas, like, I think you could get away with that more today. Easily. Oh, sure. You could totally like cookie cut one of these bands and like stick them on stage, and like as long as you didn't go in for a close up on the jumbotron, yeah, you know, they'd pass. In terms of your just to go back to your, the way that you decided to treat playing guitar with the band and all of that. Uh -huh. um, now, I, 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 I'm, I'm asking a question because you know I have the same thing. I'm playing at that time, you know, which was my main act was the. Klezmer All Stars, if it was that was yes. Kermit Ruffins back then. I don't really. Right. The question is whether 
like, and I was same way playing an electric instrument in a music that for a lot of people was their version of the holy water you know what are you doing whipping out electric blah blah pedals and all the whole, the whole rest right. of the scenario yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, like, what's going on with that what's, what's with that you know Klezmer shouldn't have electricity so, so in a way like I'm wondering what you know but so in a way I was coming up with the act not in a way I was coming up with the whole thing for that because it didn't there wasn't a precedent wasn't going on anywhere, yeah, you know. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Kind of so I'm wondering, you know, how you, you know, how you thought your way into what you were doing, and it was just unusual. I mean, you know, and well, I mean, fumbling mostly, I would say, at the beginning, you know, uh, because, I mean, again, it just wasn't like, I mean, even for me, my level of musicianship, it was, I mean, because I just come out of rock, man. I was just uh-huh. a rock guy, you know, right. And so, like, even the chords, I was like, why does a diminished seventh now? <laughs> yeah, imagine? all of a sudden you got to know right, right. I had to learn <laughs> yeah. these new chords and stuff, you know? And I was like, ah, oh, that's cool, you know? Uh, so I learned I, I learned all that, you know? But but uh, it wasn't uh, for some years until, uh, you know, I kind of got comfortable with the idea that, like, okay, look, you know, we really came to understand over time that, that we really were a rock band, uh-huh. you know? And and so, you know, things in the rock idiom were okay. And so I was like, Man, you know, I'm gonna take some solos, you know, and like do some stuff here and then and then, you know, inevitably tastes from previous worlds, you know, like leaked in over time, you know. Mm-hmm. Like any band, you know, the sound has evolved over time, you know. Uh-huh. And I would say now it's you know, it's completely different, you know. So, it is completely different. Right, 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 exactly. So I mean but you know, uh, uh, we I, also haven't shunned the older stuff, you know. Uh-huh. So um it's it's a source of tension, I think, always kind of within the band. Um, but it's also kind of become its own tradition to to continue on with that music. And then also, you know, there's this remaining factor that it's like no 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 matter the amount of irreverence we inject into it you know like for instance when we do uh not five foot two when we do reefer man mm. um you know there's this there's one part in it where we just go into this like completely improv no one's on the same page right. breakdown uh-huh so it just busts into like total it's a mess uh-huh. you know what i mean and then it, and then it comes back together mm-hmm now you would think maybe like somebody would be like, "Well, this is a joke, man," you know. Yeah. But they don't. They just sit there and they go like, "What the hell is going on, man?" It sounds like everybody's not playing the right chord right now. Well, of course we're not. Yeah. You know, and uh, it's all discordant, and nasty sounding. And, yeah. And then it all comes back together, and and then they're just right back into it. Yeah. Again, so I mean, there is a certain amount of like, uh, you know. You know, the audience is into it, man. You know, I mean, is it possible ever to really, to not pay attention to that? You know what I mean? Yeah. As, as a performer? Well, why would you want to? As a your guy. I, mean, I for know. Me, for me, I mean, but I But don't you think that there are people that try to intellectualize themselves out of that? You know, yeah, like, I think there are. Fuck yeah. the audience, you know? Definitely are, but, but you know, but you know, there's a lot of people, I, I look at that the same as... The same way, you know, there's people in photography or camera work as you as you do, whose entire life is has to do with not getting involved with the world by high, by stick by sticking a camera between you and the and the world. And there is a there is a category of there's a category of 
people in visual arts for whom that's the case, and I think in in music that's there's a similar thing going on there. There's like a, there's like a, there's like a class of people for whom the actual playing is a, is a vast form of disengagement. Well, let me say this then. What's that? I agree with you on that, but why is it in music that people always like you? There's a lot less proselytizing in the arts. Like what you're saying, like it's. Like, I could talk to my buddy Andy, yeah. you know, who does, has made a career out of documentary, high-level documentary photography, Life magazine, blah, 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 mm-hmm. right? Everybody has an acceptance mm-hmm. that that's a, a subgenre, you yeah. know? And, and there are people who are respected and revered mm-hmm. within that, yeah. you know? Um, but there seems, but, you know, you're left alone. In your in your subgenre, and people just say, "Well, there it is." You yeah. know, we like it or we don't like. It. But there's a lot of proselytizing in, in music. music. Well, yeah, and but I, I think people yeah. are trying to sell you on the notion that you're you're wrong yeah, for yeah. that. You know, what I, I, mean? I agree. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not trying to suggest that you're wrong. I, I mean, I'm just I'm just pointing out that it comes out that way because at the same time. Well, less now, but music used to be a, it used to have a social function. I mean, before cell phones, that yeah. it was the system by which people got together. Of course. Now, of course, that, under those circumstances, which no longer exist, there was an idea. There was a clear behavioral difference between sociable and antisocial. Yeah. Yeah, you see what I mean. Right. You see what I mean. Sure, it's sure. like you, now we don't have an, an understanding of that because it, maybe everyone's antisocial now. I don't know. We got the device, and everybody's out there half plugged into the situation in front of them, and half would align out or the possibility of one. So in a, <laughs> in a sense, we don't really have the same differentiation. Interesting that you say that, man, because you know I always call it the ten foot semicircle of doom yeah. when you play. You know, it's always like. Uh, uh, this circle of people, you know, they form a perimeter, you yeah. know, similar to like elevator behavior yeah. when you're on stage. Uh-huh, and it's uh-huh, like, guys, man, you know, we're jamming out up here, yeah. okay? And it's like, we're not one of those bands. Nobody has a personality in the band where, like, when we get up there and say, get on up, everybody, here we go. Uh-huh. You know, uh, you know, let me hear you say scream, you know, like that. Like, that's kind of, like, explicitly rejected. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah, right, right. An egg, egg yolk, you know, so uh, it's got to kind of work from the music, uh, you know, and, and, but I think it's there, right. you know, if you let yourself have fun. But to your point, I feel like it's more difficult now to coax people out of that, uh, that kind of, like, hey, man, I'm, I'm just watching as a wallflower zone, yeah. you know, and, and I'm always like, just come and be right here in front of the band, you know? We play better when you're right there, you know? Much more, much harder now to get people than it was, say, like in the early aughts, you know, or the late sure. 90s or something like that. And I don't know, maybe there's a correlation between that, you know? Because oh, people yeah. are just like really um, absorbed in these devices, you know, in themselves. It's not my interview, but I'd put it out there in a second. I mean, I just think it, it, it's only that. It's, it's the fact that everyone wants... To check the consensus on the internet before they get before into the they thing, go into before the they thing. get completely involved in the, in the experience they're having, and then in case they shouldn't get involved in the thing and the experience that they're having, so there's a certain amount of, you know, they really are. They, they're they, everyone now is conditioned to check. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, right, so, right. Hey, you know, you know that's a very weird thing. If you're che if you're attempting to check outside of the experience you're actually having, whether the experience you're actually having is something you should engage in, this is a very odd, you know, I mean, and, you know, it's a, it, you know, it's a new point. It's a very strange thing. We all have an agent, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, we all have an agent. I know. I know. Well, I got to tell you something, man, that that that's something uh that I hadn't really analyzed myself, you yeah. know, and uh I tend to use these devices like for gathering information and and you know i i don't do the like yelp review thing you know yeah. and all that kind of stuff but i understand that it's a thing you know um but i gotta be honest if that makes me like you know one generation old-fashioned i'll take it because i just don't do that at all man i go i go to a show and i'm just like is it i does it light my fancy or doesn't it yeah you know? i mean last night i poked my head in over at Major Bacon at uh, at Bank Street Bar. Oh yeah, because okay. I'm just like Dave Renson is playing. I really, really, like, yeah, you know Renson. Yeah, 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 of course, yeah, right. So, so Dave Renson is in this thing, Major Bacon, and I was like, you know, part of it is a sentimental attraction, but also because I was really influenced by his playing when he uh, yeah. played at Benny's. Benny's. And, and, and Benny's was such a freaking uh, engine of uh, of influence. You yeah, know? and and it was so fantastic and. And, you know, so I remember him from those days, and, and I was like, man, I just got to go see this. Well, anyway, last night I'm there. I don't know who this guy was, man. They, they, they called him, like, Mr. Velvet Voice or something like that. <laughs> anyway, so he comes up, man, Shades of Johnny Adams. Right? Oh, really? Yeah, totally. Wow. Except a much softer approach. I don't know if the mic was, fuck, you know, he, don't, he doesn't have as much projection, mm -hmm. right? But here he is, man, you know, and he stops the band with his hand, everybody cuts out, and he goes full falsetto. And he goes all the way up to the top of the range, man, and he nails it. <laughs> oh, wow. And I just sat up in my chair. Wow. And I was like, yeah! <laughs> yeah! Yes! Now, I'm just sitting there, and like, they're running through, well, you know, they had some new material, you know. Right. And, they, and they're running through it. And I'm going, it's, you know, it's it's Brinson, you know, and he's got his sound, and I've heard it quite a few times, mm -hmm. and I enjoy it every time I hear it. But here's something new that I haven't seen before. Um, I mean, it's R&B, but I've never heard this guy sing, mm -hmm. and I'm not leaning on a Yelp review to get my experience. To get right your here. experience. Because yeah. I'm like, I, as soon as he shushed the band, I'm like, he's fucking going for it yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like... Holy shit, man. Right. And I'm like, here you are. That was a real throwback to what New Orleans has that other people, other cities don't have. Yeah. It's like, here's somebody I've never heard of mm -hmm. who's going to fucking nail it, man, right here at this small club, and there's ten people in the audience, mm -hmm. you know? And there's and no one else is having this experience other mm -hmm. than the people that are there, uh -huh. you know? And... Uh, and and if you still have enough of a sense of adventure to to go out and and try and you know uh, and test those waters, then you know you can still have some of those experiences. And not to be a fuddy-duddy, but I mean it's just where my tastes lie. I I I do feel like you know in, in some way some updated version or some some. Something like that, you know, similar to uh, Dirty Dozen Brass Band and Danny Barker. Mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of warranted, absolutely, for New Orleans rhythm and blues, uh -huh. you know. And because for me, 
like that tradition going by the wayside is really kind of bothering me. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's because because you're really talking about some of the finest vocalists yes. this town has ever yeah. produced. Yeah. You know? I agree. I mean it's it's very interesting because under the current idea of New Orleans what people call New Orleans music shrank around about nineteen ninety eight from a vast ocean of shit that was yeah. really that was really dropping me shit where in every kind of sort of backwater of kind of band group type noise that you were hearing, it suddenly diminished down to this very narrow thing. Yeah. Right? And one of the things that's lost of course is the whole world that was in that was in that, you know, it's really, I agree, I mean, it's, it's sort of, you know, it's a, there's just a great diminishing of that old... That I would that. jump at the chance to, like, play some guitar just knowing that, like, I had the opportunity to play behind, uh, you know, Cato and, and, and some of those guys. You guys and did play behind. Al, I yeah, also did. You know, Al Johnson, did you know, and, and, and uh, you know, the horn section played with uh, Howard Tate. You know, really? Yeah. Did yeah, you? Yeah. No, not me. Not I, you, but I, they, I, they, no, they, they did. They did. Yeah. Hit. Right. The great. horn section gets hired, you know, and then the rhythm section. I'm like, you know, I'm gonna start pimping the rhythm section. Yeah, man. they're lucky people. I want to play with <laughs> my baby. Girl. That's great. Um, so, um, what? So you and now let's let's talk about the films, and then. Sure. So. Your interest in film. So you went. You went to film school here, or yeah. how did you? Yeah. And, and yeah. where? At UNO. At UNO. Yeah. And let's discuss discuss your interest in that. Did you go in to be to do straight film, or to be a to be a functional person in in the in 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 the making of films, or to be, or did you have a particular set of ideas, or had you seen? I mean, like, I covered. Basketball. I'm going to use an extended metaphor. I, I covered basketball for a while in uh -huh. my career, and I covered a little bit of college baseball okay. in my career. And there's n there's no greater difference in terms of sports, right? In terms of the level of pragmatism that's applied to the future of your career uh -huh. than in baseball. Okay. Okay. Guys who who know that they're at not going to you know, they're just going to occupy a certain role or they're going to move on to other things. Uh -huh. They know it by the time they're in college. Okay. Basketball players who are second string at UNO think that they're going to make it into the NBA. <laughs> okay? And everyone who goes to film school is like a basketball player. Okay. Okay? They think that they're going to freaking make it. All right. You know, and, and, and the thing is, is that... Um, you know, and I was no different, you know, and every every set of credits that rolls in, in any film is, I mean, I call it the field of broken dreams, you know, yeah. because every single person in there thought, I'm going to be the next big director, Yeah. you know, yeah. Um, but just like Egg Yolk, I, th I think, you know, there's something in me that, that says, well, you know, even if it's not true, there's got to be something to be said for being dogged uh -huh. and for continuing on. Uh -huh. and, and if you just keep making things that, you know, eventually you will spend a life uh, toiling in obscurity mm -hmm. or at least you'll have a body of work that gets discovered. Mm -hmm. um, for me, and this is no, it's not a derogation of people who are, who 
participate in the film business because everyone makes their decisions for highly personal reasons. And uh, a lot of it has to do with money, and I certainly don't fucking blame people for that, man, yeah. because that will solve a hell of a lot of fucking problems sure. in your life, sure. you know? Um, however, uh, if you're not making it on some level, if you're not the engine of creativity behind a conceptualization, mm. then you're, you're a bit player. And, and for me, I think it's important to be in the near circumference of the core group of people who are, who are actually either conceptualizing or filming or making the projects. You know, however ramshackle and, and low budget and, you know, and, and, you know, guerrilla style it may be. I think there's a lot of truth to that. So for me, it was like, Getting into the bar business, <laughs> oddly enough, like afforded me uh, the time to kind of like put some energy back into that. Okay, okay. And uh, and so Paul and I have collaborated. It's his project. I mean, I don't want to oversell myself in that. I'm the cinematographer on on this project, and I'm also doing some voiceover mm -hmm. stuff on it as well. But uh, you know, he he conceptualized the idea, and we had the time. And in late 2012, we shot another short. You know, and I mean, Paul's film, uh, Heavy Brass, in the early 90s, you know, which I also shot, was, uh, you know, it's kind of a cult classic, you know, mm -hmm. in, in New Orleans, you know. Like, yeah. certainly anybody who's seen it remembers it, mm -hmm. you know, because it's so, it's so weird. It's yeah. such a weird movie, mm -hmm. you know. It could only come from Paul's mind, you know, and... Uh, and when it showed, um, you know, he's got such a generosity of spirit that all of these people showed up. It was really um, kind of, it was like the biggest turnout for any, like, locally made independent film, mm -hmm. short film at, at the New Orleans Film Festival at the time. It mm -hmm. was in the Southern Rep Theater, and people were just, like, pouring out into the hallways. You know, it was sold out, basically. Great. Yeah. And... Uh, and uh, and and so I think I think this one will uh, will top that <laughs> in, okay. no, in in notoriety at least. Uh, I'm excited about that. I, <laughs> I didn't even know there was one foot alone sitting here looking at all the film equipment, film gear, and that. So. And and I've uh, I've participated in that. Uh, there's this new film film festival in town. You know, yeah. it's FF1, FF2. Yeah. It's going to be FF3 this year. Absolutely. And then you know, like. Uh, in the run-up to that, they had the Super 8 one reel contest. They started that before they started the film festival. I did one of those. And for two years running, I've done uh, one of their short films, which is part of their compilation uh, thing. So I've done two short films um, and entered them into that. You know, they, they take, they have a subject, and then you go and make your film based on that subject. And it has to be X amount of minutes long. And there's X number of filmmakers that participate in it, and, it, and then when it's compiled, it makes a feature. Oh wow! Well, well. Right, yeah. and they've done that two years in a row.